you to know your privilege to have Pastor Ben and Kara as your pastors. Can we just give the Lord a praise for Pastor Ben? Yeah. I actually started to have a, a, a quick day vision about you as we were, we were uh, I was watching you lead worship and before I came up here, I began to see you and Kara like a mighty tree that's growing. I began to see it and I began to see people being able to cling onto the branches and avoid a falling ground and all this and the Lord's going to establish you as a father. He's going to establish you with strength, Ben. He's establishing you and Kara as a father and a mother. You are literally uh, beyond your years in maturity and age and what God's calling you to do. People gonna, there's going to be older people in ministry that come and lay their sword down at your feet and say, would you help me? Would you help me? And God's going to begin to establish that. You're going to begin to see people plugging into your ministry from many different areas and regions and uh, whatever this is. God's going to begin to bring strength to you and establish you as an apostolic leader. And it's what's going to happen because God has foreordained it. You can't even run from it, Ben. What's going to begin? You can't even run from it. And you and Kara are going to be a mom and dad to a lot of people, especially in ministries. I see a ministerial network becoming developed over the next decade. Things that begin to unfold for you and strength begins to arise. And it's like a mighty tree, uh, an oak of righteousness for the display of his splendor. And he's going to continue to rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the breaches. Should Jesus tarry, should the Lord Jesus tarry, there's going to be great strength over the next few decades with you of great understanding. And people are going to come because you have an understanding of grace with how to lead people through difficult seasons and how to have them hear the voice of God for their congregation and their setting and their nationality and where they're from and how they begin to relate. You have a worldview that God needs for such a time as this, Ben. You are on track. The Spirit of God is with you, and a lot of people are going to live. When other people shout condemnation, you're going to lead them through the desert. You're going to lead them through the minefield, and they will live. Their children's children will live because of this apostolic anointing on you and Kara. God bless you, my friend. Amen. Thank you, Father. Man, it's Sunday. Sunday, 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 right? Praise God. Well, I'm happy to be here today. I'm fired up in Jesus. Some people think it's a great day in the news. Some people think it's a bad day in the news. Either way, we need to tap into heaven. Amen? Amen. Praise God. People are like, Joseph, what's the Lord saying? Well, I've got a word for you this morning that I think is going to greatly help you and establish you and begin to walk through some things. My name's Joseph Z. How many of you, this is your first time seeing me? First time. Man, you guys are in for a real treat today. It's going to be great. Yeah. Heather, come on up here and just say hi to everybody very quickly today. Praise God. We are going to get into it. Just greet everybody. Say hello. This is my lovely wife, Heather. She makes me look good. I would say that's a two-way street. <laughs> Hi, I'm Heather. <laughs> nice to meet you guys. I'm so excited for this morning. I really am. I'm very stirred for what the Lord is doing here and not just with Ben and Kara, of course. That is, I could go on and on, but I won't. <laughs> I really could. I got some stuff for you, guy. Amen. Um, but this is an amazing, amazing morning. I Amen. get ready. I tune in, really. Whatever you've got going on outside of those doors, you just need to cut it off right now. That's right. You need to begin to lean on the Holy Ghost yes. and say, speak to me, Lord. Yep. I'm your servant, and I am listening. Yep. And he's got something for you today. So I encourage you to get everything that the Lord has for you this morning. It's important. It's important for you, and it's important for your circle of influence. Amen. Amen. 
Love you, honey. Love you, too. That's great. That's Heather. She makes me look good, man. I love that woman. I would not be who I am today if it wasn't for Heather Z. I got to tell you, you know, when you have teamwork, it's, it's tremendous. It makes the dream work, right? I'm going to jump into some things in the Word of God today that are going to greatly help you. Um, I want to talk to you today about the supernatural, or let me say this, your supernatural weapon of joy. Your supernatural weapon of joy. A lot of people are talking about, I just, I don't feel very happy, Jesus. Well, happiness goes like a floundering emotion. You know, happiness is an ice cream cone. Happiness is when your kids are smiling. Happiness is when you're not arguing with your spouse. Happiness is a lot of things. But happiness is not joy. Joy is a weapon. Joy is where you dig deep on the inside and you pull something out of the spirit realm and absolutely cut down the devil. Okay, we're going to get all prophetic today. Some of you are going to get some words this morning. It's going to be powerful. But listen to me just for a moment. I'm going to draw a quick picture here with you because some people, you know, they, they hear you talking and they're like, uh-huh, uh-huh. But when you draw a picture, they're like, oh, I get it. You know, okay, so let's look at this. Praise God. Let me talk to you very quickly. Let's say that this circle represents the world we live in, okay? That's the world, okay? We're looking at this, and let's say there's a veil, because the Bible says we know in part, we prophesy in part, we see through a glass dimly, or a veil dimly, some versions say. So this is a veil. I just want you to see this very quickly here. It also represents your soulish arena, all right? Hang here with me just for a moment. This side represents the spirit, or, or rather, excuse me, I'm going to do it the other way around. This side, rather, represents the natural. This is the natural. This side represents the spirit. Okay? I'm just going to do this very quickly. The natural, we are here and we are absolutely just uh, led around by what we see, what we understand. The natural is simple to understand. We wake up every day. Some people wake up in the morning and they say, good morning, Lord. Other people wake up fully in the natural and they say, good Lord, it's morning, right? Maybe some of you bear witness to that today. And you recognize the natural is this arena that we're living in. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 46, it says the spirit is not first, but the natural. Isn't that, doesn't that seem uh, boggling to a believer? Like if I were to ask you, what's, what comes first, believers, the spirit or the natural? You'd say, oh, the spirit. Surely it's the spirit of God, Right? You'd go down that road, I am spiritual. The spirit comes first. Now, if I were to ask it a different way, the greater reality, which is the greater reality, we would say the spirit. Why is the spirit the greater reality? Because the spirit gave birth to this reality, not the other way around. The natural did not give birth to the spirit. The spirit gave birth to the natural. God said, let there be light, and boom, there was light. God is spirit. Those who worship him must do so in spirit and in truth. And God spoke, and the world was, right? So the spirit gave birth to the natural. Therefore, the spirit realm is the parent force. It's the greater reality. It's stronger than the natural. Does that make sense? Everybody with me so far? Somebody like, I need more coffee. Now you recognize the spirit is the greater reality. However, 1 Corinthians 15, 46 says something. It says really strongly, it says the spirit is not first, but the natural. Wait a second. Why? 
because the natural is what you and I face every day. We're born into the natural. We wake up in the morning. We go through things, aches and pains, arguments, difficulties, challenges, all this. But what we've got to do is renew our mind to the greater reality called the spirit. And then you get, and just for sake of time today, a supernatural reaction. And here's what that looks like. In the natural, you pray. You meditate on the word. You worship. Okay? And then you begin to alter this veil or the soulish realm, which is your mind, will, emotions. We'll just call it emo, right? mind, will, and emotions, you begin to alter this. When you do these things, you get born again, you alter this. Then what happens is, and even through things like, you know, um, oh, let's just say this, even through things like praying in tongues, and I don't know if you, if you all do that. If you don't, you should do it. You don't have to pray in tongues. You get to. Praise God. Praying in tongues is not a requirement to get to heaven. It's just a weapon for you in this life. You know, the two things the devil likes to fight the most is talking about giving and receiving and praying in tongues. He hates those two things. He hates them. People are like, you just just want my money. It's like Walmart wants your money. (laughs) Right? Don't go to Walmart, man. And if people hate money so bad, quit your job. Just phone it in. Just see what happens. It's amazing. No, no, listen, don't do that. Do not do that. But listen, you recognize this here is that we got to get in God's economy. And one of the ways we begin to alter this stuff, praying in tongues, sowing and reaping, all these things begins to do something. The reason God gave us praying in tongues is so we could have an instant access to the realm of the supernatural. You just begin to this line of, of, of your mind and your logic and the way we think about things. You start speaking in tongues and you start to soften this veil where you can easily access the spirit from the natural, okay? Now, one of the things we've got to recognize through this is if we're going to get a reaction through prayer, word, worship, begin to go beyond the mind, will, and emotions, as it says in uh, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14, it talks about this. You recognize there's a lot going on there. At the end of the Hebrews chapter five, you start talking about that. Now listen, the natural, you start doing these corresponding faith actions, actions of faith, you begin to go beyond the natural and you touch into the realm of the spirit and everything you need is in the realm of the spirit. And what begins to happen is you're beginning to see all the finished works of Jesus that is in the spirit. You lay hold of it by faith and then it manifests in here and then you see it manifest into the natural. This works with healing. You lay hands on the sick, you go into the realm of the spirit, you get a supernatural reaction and you get a healing. Okay? You lay hands on the sick, that happens. You sow a seed, you get a supernatural reaction, you get a harvest. Okay? You do these things and this is what happens. Under adversity, When you're in the middle of adversity, you can put your praise on, you put your faith on, and you can tap into the supernatural force of joy. Okay? And that's what we're going to talk about. Now listen, when we get into this, you start getting into the understanding of joy. Joy of the Lord. We realize Nehemiah says it so clearly. The book of Nehemiah, it's really strong. I think it's Nehemiah chapter 8. I think that's where we're going to go very quickly. Nehemiah chapter 8. Let's go to verse 10 very quickly. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. It says so clearly. It says, Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send possessions to those to whom have nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to the Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord 
is your strength. It's your strength. Come on. Somebody say, the joy of the Lord is my strength. I remember years ago, I was in a church, and we had a leader that fell hard, fell really hard. I'm talking wiped out. And all the prophets in the church are getting up, and they're like, oh, beloved, a sheep has gone astray. Oh, Jesus, it's God's judgment. God's judging this house. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> that kind of stuff. And I was like looking around. This is a huge church. Sorry, I'm very demonstrative. Is that okay? Everybody all right? Good morning. Good morning. Right, okay. And so I'm, 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 doing, I'm going through this process. I'm sitting in this congregation, and this pastor had wiped out. It was bad, not good at all, okay? One of, one of the people that I was really close to just wiped out. I thought, oh, my goodness. And people are getting up and prophesying, a sheep has gone astray. God's going to judge this place. Uh, right? Some of you are like, ah, Pastor Ben. Um, but what happened is, in the middle of this, they're all negative, things are going on, and I felt the power of God got on me. I, I, the power of the Spirit came on me, and I, took, I went up and I said, can I, can I prophesy for a moment? And they're like, yes, brother, come on up and give us a word. And everybody's saying all these words of doom and gloom and natural knowledge and just prophesying what they already know. And I'd been reading the Bible, like the New Testament, once a week, okay? like plowing through it and plowing through it and plowing through it. And I'll tell you what, when I stood up, the power of God got on me. And people that are calling things as they are, you know, they're calling things as they are. In other words, it's bad, so they go, it's bad. You're reinforcing the bad. Somebody wipes out, you're like, they wiped out. It's so bad. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? You know, I think we need a whole lot less of the what are we going to do, prophets, and a whole lot more of here's where we're going. And so I stood up in this congregation, and Isaiah 61 came to me. I said, this is the year of the favor of the Lord. This is the day of the favor of the Lord. God is with us. We're anointed. We're going forward. We're standing up. And the congregation's like, yeah. They started clapping. They didn't know what to do with themselves, right? They're like, we've never heard encouragement in a long time. I got to tell you right now, the joy of the Lord will come through his word and begin to break people out of circumstances. Praise God. Now, oh, amen, I'm trying. Come on, Lisa, come on. And so you recognize this. We get into these things, and, and we realize this. Let me go here. Do you know Jesus? You see all these things, these paintings of Jesus? I think they were painted by the devil himself. Right? Nobody? You see pictures of an anemic Jesus? It looks like he needs a blood transfusion. Please, sir, can I have something to eat? Ugh. I mean, that's what Jesus looks like. It's like, dude, get a sandwich, right? That's religion's picture of Jesus. That's not Jesus. Actually, I believe Jesus was the happiest man on the planet. I think Jesus was filled with joy. Every real man of God that I know, or woman of God that I know, who spends time with God. I was just with Jesse Duplantis, man, hanging out with him, talking to him. That man radiates the power of God. There's certain people you get around, they just got joy inside of them because they've been with God. Now, I got to tell you something. The joy of the Lord is our strength, but Jesus absolutely, I believe, had more joy than anybody on the planet. As a matter of fact, I think when Jesus ran into demons, I think he cast them out and then was like, ha, 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 Somebody get healed, he's like, yes, right? You don't think so? You're like, oh, I don't know, it's not my Jesus. Well, it shows. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. 
No, praise God. This is a good congregation, man. You guys are awesome. Praise God. The joy of the Lord is our strength. If you're happy in Jesus, let's notify our face today, amen? Come on, there we go. Just brighten it up. Hallelujah. Some people haven't smiled in 30 years. They're like, right? It's, it's amazing. So we got to get into this understanding. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Now listen, let me show you this in the Word of God. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 9. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 9. This is strong. Man, we're going to start prophesizing in just a moment. Well, i got to tell you something. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 9. I heard the Lord say this today. I told Heather a few days ago, and I said this during the conference this weekend, but I told Heather... Uh, I was getting ready for our morning broadcast. We go live every single morning, Monday through Friday. We live broadcast. We're reaching thousands upon thousands of people every day. And uh, we're having a major surge in the ministry. God spoke to us about it, and we're doing it. And it's really uh, reaching a lot of people right now. And one morning, I was waking up, and right before the elections and all this stuff was going on, all of a sudden, I'm shaving, getting ready, you know, getting in the mirror, looking at the stuff. And, and all of a sudden, I was preparing, and I heard... Ha, ha, ha. I was like, and I heard God laughing. I ran out into the, our bedroom, and I was like, Heather, I heard God laughing. Here's what he sounds like. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> you know, when I do it, it sounds maniacal, but I mean, God actually, he's like burly. He's like, ha, ha, ha. I loved it. And then Psalm 2 came to me and says, he who sits in the heavens laughs at all the plans of the enemy, at all the plans of mankind, at all these things. And people are so under pressure right now. It's because we've had so much carnality in the church, we don't know how to stand up. We don't know how to actually employ faith. Well, I gotta tell you, joy is gonna be a weapon, and through joy, you're gonna become a crushing disappointment to the kingdom of darkness. A They're gonna be like, oh, oh, I had such plans for your life, Right? But you're going to be a crushing disappointment to the kingdom of darkness. There's nothing like beating the devil with his own fist. <laughs> While you're hitting yourself, right? Okay, now, everybody okay? Is this too much for some people? Or, or is it too soon? Too soon? Okay, no, okay, let's keep going. <laughs> we recognize this. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 9. Let's get into this very quickly. It says here, you have loved righteousness. Give me an amen if you're with me. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you, Jesus, with the oil of gladness more than your companions. Different translations say it differently. One says the oil of joy above all your yoke fellows. One says the oil of gladness, joy, all these things. And here's what it means in the Greek. In the Greek, gladness is the Greek word for joy. It means exaltation, and one word for it, one very pointed word, is this. It means extreme joy. Extreme joy. Jesus was anointed, get this, with extreme joy. He endured the cross for the joy set before him. The extreme joy set before him. The joy of the Lord, I'll say it a better way, your extreme joy of the Lord is your strength. People call me the smiling prophet. It's just because I actually know God. They're like, why are you smiling? You're supposed to be a prophet. I thought you were supposed to like slap people around and stuff. No, I don't, uh-uh. I know God. I've spent time with God. I know Jesus. God is not in a bad mood. He's not freaking out. He's not in a cold sweat right now. We get to win. 
Thank you, Jesus. People have asked me all this stuff. They're like, well, we got Joey Joseph, but all these prophets have prophesied that there was going to be an election that would go the certain way. Now, whatever your political affiliation is, I love you. It's not about that. We're about Jesus, right? No man is our Messiah. Jesus is, right? Right? Okay? But I'm going to go total political on you. No, I'm just kidding. We're, we're absolutely going to just, I, I want you to see something. How many people have released things prophetically where they began to say, here's how the election's going to go? As a matter of fact, about a year and a half ago, I stood up and had two dreams where I saw the current administration lose the election, and I said so publicly. In several meetings, I saw them lose. I woke up in the dream. In the dream, I woke up. I was still sleeping, but in the dream, I woke up, and I woke up to news and headlines that he had lost the election. And then a second one, he lost the election. I told that to pastors, and they said, don't say that. Don't say that. And some people might be like, totally, he should lose. Now listen, so then the Lord said, this is a warning to the church. There's things that are happening, and what it means is this. And again, listen, I'm not for whatever party. I'm just for voting the Bible, okay? You guys with me? Okay, and I don't look at any man or political leader as the Messiah. No way. I look to Jesus Christ, okay? And that's where we need to be. Now, when I'm saying this, though, the thing is, there's been a massive word of prophetic voices that began to declare, here's how the election's going to go. And I even said, if we do things right, this is how the election's going to go. After the Lord showed me in a dream what was going to happen literally. And so I want to begin to reconcile something. Here's why. Because the battle's not over till we win either personally or corporately. Okay. Are you ready for me to tell you a little bit about what happens when you have conflicting prophetic words? A lot of people don't like touching this. The first thing, they, they usually sweep it under the rug and just go, I don't know, I missed it, I did this, I don't know, I don't know what to do, who am I, who's my father? How about God? Let's, uh, you know, we need to start giving real answers for things instead of just dancing around and trying to appease everybody. I'm not here to appease you. I'm here to help you and lead you. A lot of preachers come in, they love them and leave them. Pastor Ben and Kara, they'll love you and lead you. Praise God. Let me share something with you about this. This is going to come joy out of this. Are you ready for your heart to get some healing today? You ready to have answers? Let's get some real answers here. Let's talk about this. Very quickly, before I get into that, I want to, I want to create a quick imagery for you. Jesus went through a lot for us, okay? He went through a lot. Number one, Jesus began to die on the cross. He did that. And remember, he went into it with joy. The ultimate example of joy under pressure and victory is Jesus. You guys with me? He suffered more than any man. He was marred beyond recognition, right? When you begin to realize this, have you ever read Psalm 22? Psalm 22 has this picture where they begin to peel back the realm of the supernatural and you get a, a supernatural view of what's happening to Jesus. There's a part where it talks about this, and I won't go wait on this road, but Psalm 22 begins to talk about how Jesus, he was there and, and all these things that were happening. And then there's a, a verse that talks about, and the bulls of Bashan began to gape at him with their mouth open. Gaping at Jesus. Rah. He was surrounded by these monster things, right? Rah. They're coming at him, and they're hurting him. Psalm 22. There is no, listen to me. I've looked at commentaries. I've looked at all this stuff. People come to speculation and conjectures about this. 
but there is no bull of Bashan. Doesn't exist. There's no creature called the bull of Bashan. The bulls of Bashan, I believe, were demonic entities attacking him upon his death. Psalm 22. But it gets really good. I'm going to give you a couple points here, and then we're going to really land strong on how to reconcile prophecy, okay? Hang with me. Now, the bulls of Bashan are doing these things. Jesus is suffering. All these things are happening. A lot of people have uh, ideas about what happened. It says, you will not leave my holy one to see decay, that he went to hell. All this, people have ideas about this. Some people argue he went to hell and was tortured. Some people argued he just went down to Abraham's bosom. Here's the deal. Either way, Jesus paid a price in the supernatural, okay? He went into that place, and what began to happen is this. You get a glimpse of it in Psalm 22. Then you skip forward to Psalm 24. Now, a very unique thing happens. A very unique thing happens in Psalm 24. In Psalm 24, let me just go there in our Bibles very quickly. Psalm 24, this is going to be powerful for you. Somebody's going to get something great out of the Word of God today. Oh, my goodness. Do you think God likes to lose? I don't think so. Some believers act like he does. Do you know you act like the God you serve? <laughs> Pastor Carey. Oh, that's good. But listen, you act like the God you serve. In other words, your image of God, your viewpoint of God is how you act. If you're an upset person and if you're the doctrine police and correcting people, that's your view of God. And that is what you're going to receive from God. Because by faith we receive. So whatever you're believing in, whatever you're focusing on, you will get that part of God's persona. But if you can look at him as father, you can look at him as the holy one of Israel, you can look at him as the Lord God Almighty. He's not in a bad mood. He loves you. You're going to receive that from him. People are like, well, there's a lot of things in the book. There's a lot of things in the book I don't want to believe for. You say, well, what are you talking about? You know, like Sodom and Gomorrah. I don't want that to happen to me. How about like Korah and company? How many have that as their memory verse? They put it on the refrigerator and the earth swallowed them alive. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Mufasa, yes. How many people want that? Like, what's the Bible? Yeah, there's promises, narrative. There's all kinds of stuff in the Bible. You know, how about gouge out your right eye and cut off your right hand? That's a memory verse, amen? <laughs> and Judas hung himself. Okay, anyway, so let's look at this. Psalm 24, we want to get in the character of God. You can pick all kinds of stuff out of Scripture that will mess you up, but you got to get the gospel. The Bible is not the gospel. The Bible is the word of God, and the gospel is within the Bible. You got it? So we've got to look at the Bible through the lens of the gospel, the finished works of Jesus. When you read the Bible and it's like, oh, weep, howl, and mourn, you rich. Do this, do all that. People are like, see, it says it. Well, the Bible says a lot of stuff. And if you don't have the word of God, you don't have the finished works of Jesus in you, you will read this thing and it will beat you to death. But if you read this thing from the lens of the finished works of Jesus, you're going to be like, oh, oh, Mufasa, ooh, I feel the power of God. Man, I'm a word junkie. I have a t-shirt that says Bible nerd. Okay. 
Psalm 22, Jesus was there. He was suffering in the realm of the spirit from the bulls of Bashan. All this, Psalm 24, let's go forward very quickly. Psalm 24. Now, here we get the picture, and you get this out of uh, Spurgeon's commentary, where the treasury of David, and he gives allusions to this, and I've read this, began to study it out. You look at Psalm 24, verse 7. Look at this. It says here in verse 7, lift up your heads, O you gates. Psalm 24, verse 7, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors. And the king of glory shall come in. Verse 8, who is this king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Verse 9, lift up your heads, O you gates. Lift up, you everlasting doors, that the king of glory shall come in. Verse 10, who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts, he is the king of glory. Now, what is that talking about? Here's what it is. Jesus led captivity captive. From where? From Abraham's bosom paradise. He said to the guy on the cross, today you'll be with me in paradise, not heaven, paradise. Paradise is where all the people in the Old Testament who had died in faith did not go to hell. They did not go to heaven. They were with Abraham, Father Abraham through covenant, okay? And the scripture talks about in Isaiah, hell will be enlarged. That's because Abraham's bosom was emptied out. Jesus took them out of there, and that chasm that was between the rich man and Lazarus, that chasm went away, and hell was enlarged. Now hell's huge, and Abraham's bosom is empty because Jesus went there and led captivity captive and took them up to heaven. And in Psalm 24, you're getting a picture, and the picture is this. Angels that are with Jesus. Oh, come on. Angels that are with Jesus, they're going with Jesus and they're going higher and they begin to shoot up out of the earth and they're coming forward and they begin to volley back and forth and volley back and forth. Angels that are with the Lord and all the people that have waited for the Son of God in all of history are with him, right? And they're going forward and the angels with them begin to shout to heaven and now we know the gates of heaven are gigantic pearls, it says in Revelation. When it says, you everlasting doors, you ancient gates, you ancient doors, it's pearls, gigantic pearls. So they're going towards these gigantic pearls, and I think there's 12 of them. They're going towards this. The angels that are with Jesus begin to call out, and they're basically saying, hey, open up the doors. We're with the boss. They're coming towards heaven. They're cruising along, and they begin to volley. Who is this king of glory? They shouted from heaven. And the angels with Jesus said, the Lord, mighty in battle. And they shouted out again, who is this king of glory? And the angels with Jesus said, the Lord, God almighty. They said, so lift up your heads, you ancient doors. Come on, open up the gates that the king of glory may come in. And he came running in with the people from Abraham's bosom. Now here's what happens. In the middle of this resurrection moment, here's where we start accessing the realm of the spirit. Listen carefully. Jesus, would you agree the greatest miracle ever is the resurrection of Jesus? The greatest miracle ever was Jesus breaking out of death, hell, and the grave, taking the keys with him, giving the devil a punch to the throat, and saying, I'll catch you later when I chuck you in the lake of fire. Okay? Jesus breaking out, he's breaking through with the angels with him, and something peculiar happens if you read the narrative. And for the sake of time, we'll just tell you the story. Jesus is tearing out of there. That, this whole colorful narrative is unfolding. This amazing, can you imagine seeing it? The banners, the shouting, the angels shouting, roaring, victory. And all of a sudden, there's this little lady named Mary. Remember the story? She runs to the tomb 
with Peter and John? Peter and John are there, they're like, oh, oh where is he? I don't know. I, okay, there's this, supernatural things happening. Okay, we're out of here. Mary is looking around, and she begins to see what's happening, and through circumstances that unfold, looks, and she's weeping and pulling on the heart of Jesus. And all of a sudden, she turns around and sees a man standing there, and she says, tell me, sir, thought he was a gardener. Tell me, sir, where you've placed him. Where is he? And finally, the gardener says, Mary. And she says, oh, Rabboni, you're the teacher. You're Jesus. And Jesus says something very peculiar in this instance. He said, don't cling to me. I've not yet ascended to my father. And when this happened, I believe her faith did something there. Now, let me explain why I'm saying this to you. I just showed you that Jesus suffered, Psalm 22, Psalm 24. We see him coming back. We see the fire of God. It's a glorious triumph. It's the most pivotal moment in existence as he's leading captivity captive. He's coming up and out and coming out like Superman. Yeah, right? And all of a sudden... He's pulled by the faith of a little lady named Mary. And he's standing in the garden. He says, don't cling to me. I got to get back to my party. I'm going up with all the boys in Abraham's bosom. I'm going up with all the angels. They're shouting. They're like, sir, I mean, come on. I mean, we're, we're almost there. I mean, can you talk to her later? And Jesus came because Mary, Mary began to alter her standing in the natural and put out a faith blast saying, where is he? Where is he? Where is he? And accessed the spirit and forced him to manifest. The same thing happened with the woman with the issue of blood. Jesus was on assignment for Jairus. He's on assignment for Jairus. Let's go get it done. All of a sudden he says, who touched me? That wasn't the plan. Who touched me? And everybody's like, are you kidding me? That'd be like, you know, Pastor Ben crowd surfing in here and then saying, hey, who, who touched me? Nobody? You guys are like, okay. Right? And you recognize this. Jesus had this happen. What began to happen here is this. Her faith pulled him out of the circumstances. Ladies and gentlemen, you're no different than Mary. Your faith, and this has to do with prophecy and times, and everything else. Your faith can alter the circumstances that God has even planned. And this includes the end times. Now, there are things set in the word of God that are going to happen. They're going to happen, but not on our watch. And if we can begin to go forward with the faith of God, relating to God as he is, relating to God through the lens of faith. Mary just knew she loved Jesus, and I think her intimate desire for him pulled him out of his mission in that moment. Now listen, let me go forward. Now let's talk about countering prophecies that seem to contradict one another. Everybody say, God has the final say. Okay? 
very quickly, two prophets, they prophesied something. I wanna give you from the Bible two prophetic words that came forward that were absolutely contrary to one another, okay? The first one, it's about this. It's about King Zedekiah. King Zedekiah was taken uh, by the Babylonians and all this stuff, and two different prophets prophesied about him two contradictory words, okay? This is gonna really help you today. Give me your ears, give me your full attention for a moment. God is about to set you free, okay? It says in Ezekiel 12, verse 13, okay, very quickly, it's saying a lot of things here, but in summary, Ezekiel 12, 13 is prophesying, Ezekiel is prophesying, and also Jeremiah prophesied about the same king. Ezekiel and Jeremiah both prophesied about the same king. Ezekiel 12, 13 prophesies that it says that Zedekiah would be basically captured by Babylon. I will bring him to Babylon, to the land of the Chaldeans, yet he shall not see it, okay? Everybody get, the, get a hold of this. It says he will not see it, though he will never see it. Everybody say he won't see it, okay? Now let's go over to Jeremiah 21, verse 7. Jeremiah 21, verse 7. It says, and afterwards, says the Lord, I will deliver Zedekiah, the king of Jerusalem, his servants to and the people, and such as are left in the city from the pestilence and the sword and the famine. And uh, uh, Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon is the one who's going to take them into the hand of their enemies, into the hand of those who seek their life, and he shall strike them with the edge of the sword. He shall not spare them nor have pity with them. And one version says, he shall die by the sword. Okay. So this verse is saying King Zedekiah is going to die within the city by the sword. And Ezekiel says, Jeremiah says he's going to die by the sword in the city walls, one translation. And Ezekiel's saying he will never see Babylon. Okay? So he'll never see Babylon. And, and the other one's saying that he's going to die by the sword in Babylon. Okay? That he's going to be within the walls. This was such a contrary issue. Everybody, everybody ever heard of the teacher named Josephus? Josephus, the wars of the Jews, antiquities of the Jews, all that stuff. So Josephus is this commentator. He was so upset over this prophecy, the inconsistency between the two, that he wrote a whole commentary on it. And he actually thought the two prophecies were so inconsistent that he would not believe either one of them. We're talking about the Bible and Josephus. Well, in today's world, hold on, hang here with me, I'm about to answer this. In today's world, you realize sometimes people say things and another person says another and you go, what, what's happening? What's happening? It's important, number one, we use our brain. You know that's okay, right, as a Christian, as a spiritual believer? It's okay to be a thinking Christian, right? <laughs> Some people are like, throw your brain away, just live in the spirit. Yeah, you get nowhere in life, it's amazing. And, um, but listen, <laughs> You begin to realize there's contrary things that happen, and it brings torment to believers. Josephus, even to such a point that he said, I don't believe any of this. I, and this is, Josephus is all, like believers say, say, I'm done with the prophetic movement then. I'm done with a prophecy. I'm done with this because it brings too much torment and stress. It doesn't reconcile. Well, Josephus should have kept reading the Bible. Because there's a third scripture that begins to bring clarity to these two prophetic words. In 2 Kings chapter 25, verse 7, again, now just giving a historical account of what happened to Zedekiah. It says in verse 7, he went to Babylon, 
and had his eyes torn out. They put out his eyes and took him to Babylon where they killed him with the sword. So both prophets were right. He didn't see Babylon, but he was killed there. Now, ladies and gentlemen, you got to reconcile this with your heart, too. There's things that happen. Yeah, come on, Kara. you got to recognize this. God can do more than one thing at a time. That's why the Catholics come up with this term in Latin called sensus plenier. Sensus plenier means more than one thing at a time or a deeper, fuller meaning, a deeper, fuller revelation, and that's this. God showed me that there was going to be a loss in the election, but I believe there's a potential for a win of the White House through legal battle. Now, this is, this, and wherever your political affiliation is, I'm just talking, if that's okay, all right? Be, be blessed, love the Lord, wherever your conviction is, keep your conviction. I don't want to agree with you if you disagree with me, because then we'd both be wrong, but I just want to get a hold of what God's saying, okay? Praise God. <laughs> Everybody smile, it's okay. Jesus is still Lord, it's okay to disagree, okay? But here's what you recognize. Here's what you recognize. Through this process... I believe very strongly the Lord showed me there would be a loss. I'm probably one of the only prophetic voices that declared I saw him lose. And then I began to believe because the Lord said it's a warning. It's a warning. And if the church does its part, and I believe the church has done its part. There's been more people that showed up and prayed than ever before in history. Okay? I believe that we have a covenant from Israel, that we've stood with Israel. Now, even if all these things that should add up don't make sense and we still don't have the desired result in the end, Ecclesiastes, the very last verses say this, the conclusion when all has been heard is fear God and keep his commandments. So listen to me. There's no prophecy that's more powerful than the written word of God, not me or anyone else. I'm the first one to say, I'm sorry. I missed it if we did, but I don't feel I have. I feel like there's a, a conflict, and we got to ride through the conflict because the battle's not over till January. Amen. And guess who solved and put out legislation and legal battles against the Bush versus Gore campaign, and when Gore thought for 30-something days he had won? Amy Coney Barrett. So all I have to say to you is this. She's Esther, baby. So tomorrow, I'm not going to be able to be on my program as strong. We're, we're traveling. We're doing all this stuff. But Tuesday, you guys should tune in on Tuesday. We're going to give you uh, a hot slice from heaven, okay? I'm talking it's going to be fresh bread from heaven, all right? God is going to begin to wake up America. The red church is rising. And I'm telling you, the red church is a symbolic word God gave me for the remnant of God, those that love not their life unto the death, those that are willing to, to give up, to go up, those that are willing to step forward. He who would love their life will lose it. He who wants to hang on to their life, uh, you know, if you lose your life, you'll gain it. If you, if you give up your life, all that, you gain the kingdom. I got to tell you, Jesus is Lord over these circumstances. And you should have hope in you. Don't watch the stupid news. You know, Biden comes out there, he's like, ha, I won the Senate, I won, right? I'm running for Senate. Nobody? Okay. So, I'm surprised he didn't get up and say Merry Christmas, okay? Praise God. And Kamala, Kamala, Carrie, whatever her name is, who's 
absolutely a Jezebel demonic person who's demonized is trying to get into office. And I bet at night she'll throw a pillow over Biden. It's all fine. If this offends you, it should. And I just want to say, Pastor Ben will fix it. Okay. This is my last opportunity to be here. I totally surrender to him. He and I, listen to me, Pastor Ben has his own point of view on this. He loves me and I love him and he will lead you and guide you with great excellence and great grace through all of this. I'm a prophet. Okay, so, so praise God. <laughs> Kara's like, amen, okay. Praise God. So I just want to say to you very clearly, Jesus is Lord. And we're going to make him Lord in the nations. One thing I take comfort in is this. Some form of government is going to be intact when Jesus returns. Because he says, as the days of Noah were, there will be giving and receiving of marriage. Things will happen. That doesn't mean it's going to be an easy scenario. But when Jesus comes back, there's going to be some kind of structure. It's going to be okay enough to have marriage ceremonies. Praise God. I believe you're part of the remnant. I believe it just means we love the Lord. And whatever your political affiliation is, you should probably just read the Bible more. If it doesn't, when people are like, well, you know, your vote doesn't really count for this or for that. And you got to, you know, read the Bible. Murder is not okay. Socialism is stealing. People are like, no, socialism is great. It, it kind of, we just got to try it different over here. No, stealing is wrong. If you take from somebody's stuff that's not yours, that's called stealing. That's the definition of socialism. Socialism is, socialism is the economic arm of communism, which is the governmental branch. They work hand in hand. Communism is the takeover plan. Socialism is the economic plan. The politicians get rich and you get broke. Thank you, Jesus. Man, God set some people free today. It's okay to be bold. We got to be kind, sweet, loving after people. People are like in the airport, they're yelling at me and Dave the other day, like, you need to put your mask on. And they had a mask and goggles and a face shield and everything else. And I just looked at him and said, what are you going to the Olympics? You like on a ski team? And, I, and they, were, they were running away from us when I said that, you know. And as they're running away, I shouted, have fun at the Olympics, you know. And, you know, hey, man, it's okay to stand up. Wouldn't be mean. Just like, I, I just don't like being pushed around by stupid. <laughs> I love you, Ben. I promise you, Pastor Ben will fix this. And he really, really will. I love Pastor Ben and Kara so very much, and they're so gracious to let me be here. This is an awesome church, and I feel privileged to be here today. But listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. Jesus is Lord, and we need to go forward. Do you know what the word nice meant 100 years ago in Webster's Dictionary? It meant stupid. You need to be nice. 100 years ago, that meant stupid. And we alter all these words, you know. Praise God. Thank you, Father. God's good. Sir, I like you with the mohawk. That's awesome. 
You're a warrior and a champion. You have a mentality that wins. You're a processor. You think. You internally uh, uh, process scenarios. You um, have a math brain. You've got circumstances that God's building inside you. The Lord's saying, I'm going to give you a voice to a specific person, and they're going to get a breakthrough, and victory is going to begin to happen. I see an avenue of business. I see an avenue of revenue that God's opening up for you, even in this next year. And strength's going to begin to arise, and you're going to be able to put it into a power shift and move forward. Something about shifting forward and the wheels turning faster. I see God giving you favor in that arena and victory beginning to come to you. You have a voice to say you're a very strong individual and very kind. And God's hand is upon you. And many people cling to you. They don't know what to do. And when they don't know what to do, you have a word of wisdom that works through you. You have a prophetic unction for a word of wisdom. Here's what you're going to do. And you bring strength. And that's why you married a mercy-motivated individual. Uh, there's great mercy. There's great strength. And I see these things where there's, there's kindness. And uh, there's a discernment gift on that, that woman right there. And, and things begin to happen. And you've got strength on you, sir, and mercy. Man, God sets you up for victory. Praise God. I see a little artist sitting next to the woman there. A little artist, you have an ability to speak, an ability to think, an ability to respond to people, even if at times you felt like you're really quiet about circumstances. I'm telling you the day's coming when you not be quiet because you have data inside you that when people say things, you're going to say, do you mind if I give an opposing view on that or another way of looking at that? And you're going to be like, bam, 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 bam. And people are going to be like, ah, it's going to be amazing. I bless you in Jesus' name. Great row right there. God's with you. Thank you, Jesus. Woman of God, I could talk to you about your cooking and a lot of things. You're, you're awesome at a lot of stuff. You're amazing. I bless you in Jesus' name. God loves that family right there. He loves all of us, but he, there's a, a light on you guys right now. Thank you, Father. Sir, you're not pushed around by anybody's opinion. You're a free thinker. You got things going on in your life where you begin to recognize that God has uh, called you mighty and forward. You're a very stubborn-minded man, and you've got strength in you. I love that. You know, you're just really, your family kind of has that nuance to it, like, whatever, dude, you know, and it's awesome. You got strength in you. You got life in you. You have a mind for instruction. You'd make a great, um, uh, I see you giving people like a rah-rah speech and moving them forward and saying, you can do it. Come on. You can do it. Yes, you can. You think you can't stretch that far. You can. So you have like a motivational ability in you that would work great as a, a teacher in a certain area or a coach or with what God has. You just have life on you in Jesus' name. Now, also, God's going to use you in sales. I see marketing come through you. I see things expanding through marketing, and God's going to give you favor in that arena. People are just going to like you. They won't even know why, and you're going to have favor, and God's going to begin to open that up for you. So I bless you in the name of the Lord. This is a good season for you, even when people are freaking out, you're going to find like a light through the darkness and favor is leading you. Very good. That's awesome. You guys are great. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Woman of God, I just speak life over you. I see you praying and believing God. You're a warrior. You have warrior mindset, warrior heartedness. There's strength in you. You don't back down from things and it's actually cost you a lot. It's, there's things that you've made decisions that have actually cost you, and you thought it would be easier, but you've made the decision anyway, and God's brought you forward. I see victory coming out of death. I see light coming out of darkness, and there was a moment where people said, I'm so sorry. I don't know what this is, but it's still sorry all around you. I'm sorry. I'm so, I'm so sorry for you. This and that, I'm sorry for you, and I began to see these words around you, and the Lord says, I'm not. I'm with you, and I didn't allow that. And I'm bringing you through it. There's a whole nother light on the other side of the valley that you haven't seen yet. And I'm leading you there. 
I hear the voice of God. I tell her I'm leading her there. I'm leading you there. The second will be greater than the first. And it's going to be good. You're going to feel like the dead have been raised. That's how it's going to feel. God's with you. He knows you. He sees you. And all is well. Praise God. You're awesome, lady. You're awesome. Man, does God love you. Praise God. There's nothing like giving the devil like a quick haku to the throat. Praise God. You know what we begin to do when we start moving in spiritual gifts? And every one of you can prophesy better than me. There's nothing special about me. Well, maybe if you, how you, have you ever used that terminology? There's many different forms of special. But what I want to say to you is this. You can prophesy better than me. I hope you do. That would be my greatest joy in the world to see the body of Christ where they're like, Joseph, you're good, but honestly, that's kindergarten stuff. We're awesome. That's my job is to make sure the church is empowered that way. I, I want to work myself out of a job where all his people begin to prophesy. They hear God. They're running for it. They're walking with humility. They, they get punched in the face, and they stand up spiritually. They, they can take a hit. The body of Christ, and many people have, and many people haven't. Some people don't know how to take a punch anymore. Some of you, if criticism could kill you, you'd have been dead by now, and you're still here. You know what criticism is? Promotion. Woe to you if all men speak good and kind of you. So did they to the false prophets who were before you. <laughs> now, you should have got our session yesterday. We we're talking about false prophets and false administrators and false helps ministry. That's right. <laughs> it's true. It's a, you can just tag false on anything, and it just works. Praise God. It's like, what do you mean this... You administrated this calendar? Looks false to me. Praise God. Anyway, you had to be there. Thank you, Father. Lisa, you are filled with God. It's like the faith inside you right now is waving a flag at me. It's just like, raw. You're just loaded with faith. God's with you. God's going to begin to raise Oh, wow. Wisdom's going to come through you. You're going to restructure some things, and you're going to speak up about some things and begin to stop some stupid. You're going to bring strength in different arenas. You're going to begin to speak out. God's anointed your voice for it. You are red to the core. And God's marked you that way. You're absolutely a warrior and a champion. You think like an attorney, Lisa. You have a mind like an, a lawyer, like an attorney. You, 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 uh, people should be very careful if they decide they want to get into, you know, what is it? Never go into a land war. Was it Princess Bride? Never get in a land war in Asia, you know, right? And never, when death is on the line, never fight a Sicilian when death is on the line. Now, when I look at you, I see that. Is that too much? Everybody's like, Asia, Sicilian, right? Okay. <laughs> Inconceivable, right? So, but I'm looking at you, and you just, you have the favor of God on you. You have the favor of God on you, Lisa. You have not only a mothering anointing, but you have a diplomatic, authority-based strength that will break people through. A diplomatic anointing to speak. And if people decide they want to engage you in a negative capacity, what they just did is sat down on a chessboard they're not going to enjoy. 
and they'll be like, eh, 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 and you'll be like, and that's checkmate, and it's lunchtime. <laughs> it's true. Strong. I don't know where Sean is, but it's true. <laughs> hey, brother. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. You guys are a dynamic power couple. God built you for battle. He built you uh, to go forward. The younger generation needs you. Don't let anyone talk down to you. Lisa, don't you let anyone talk down to you. I hear the, the voice of the Lord, and I don't mean that in a rebellious way, like, hey, who do you think you are? That's not what I mean. The heart is sweet. But what I'm saying is I feel like you have things to say, and other people just want to uh, throw out what they think are good ideas and all this, and I believe the Lord is positioning you for accuracy, clarity, and to be able to cut through the veil of thin veneer, cheap, classless things, and you're going to bring in substance in this season. God's powerful. You're awesome, Lisa. Praise God. Oh, yeah. You're welcome. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, man, I really like my job. <laughs> Come on, Lisa. Yeah, she loves her job. God's good. Thank you, Father. Sir, uh, uh, you have the action hero haircut like I do. You're wearing a blazer. I bless you in Jesus' name. I think people are like, man, you got no hair. That's called action hero. You know how many movie stars save the world with no hair? Come on, action hero. Yeah, right? Okay, praise God. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. I know I'm an acquired taste, but after you get to know me, you're going to love me. Praise God. <laughs> Thank you, Father. I bless the man of God in Jesus' name. You have a mind of intellectualism. You have a mind of study. You have a mind that begins to put things forward. You think like a professor. You have this understanding about you that can begin to absolutely open up volumes of information and set people free through the clarity that comes through it. The hand of God is on your life. There's favor on you. You are a professor in your mind and in your heart. And sometimes you've been derailed because you haven't been charismatic enough for some people in settings. And the Lord wants to begin to rightly align you to what belongs to you. A lot has been swiped away from you, but God's keeping the book and it's going to begin to be opened unto you and favors coming for you and you're going to be have a uh, a rebound where God has you and other people have made conclusions about you that some of it might even be somewhat accurate but the truth is God's not finished the pot is still turning on the on the clay table right the potter's wheel and you're coming through this picture and I see victory coming and cracks are being sealed he's reforging it and there's going to come a brand new vessel experience where you step out God has need of you, brother. You're anointed. You're anointed to instruct, and you're anointed to put words to page. And I bless you in Jesus' name. Speak life over you. I don't know what this is, but I see like a newspaper. I see like a magazine. I see data written, like articles and information, and the gathering of these things and putting them in place, beginning to itemize them and organize them. And it has a publication stamp on it. And the Lord says, I've ordained it. And it shall be well with you. In Jesus' name, you have a publishing anointing. It's well. Amen. Make sense? Huh, God's with you. I love you, brother. You're anointed for it. Thank you, Jesus. Keep the stamp going. Keep doing what God called you to do. You're marked by God. Love you, man. I like you a lot. I can feel your heart. God bless you. Amen. Jesus is Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Man, we didn't get all dressed up for nothing, did we? I wore my finest this morning. Praise God. People are like, you wearing a suit coat. Yeah, I have to. It's just more comfortable for me. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Aren't Ben and Kara like a handsome couple? 
I just really like them. Heather and I like them. Yeah, thank you, Kara. Thank you. Yeah, listen to me. You guys are privileged to have them. This is the smallest they'll ever be, even if there's some transition things that begin to happen. Praise God. We're sowing $2,000 into your building. So we're doing that today. Yeah, we love you. Praise God. I'm only saying that because maybe somebody wants to join me in that. Let's get this building done. Praise God. Um, praise Jesus. I hope I can do a lot more very soon. But I'm just telling you, I want to do that. We're after it. People are like, you shouldn't be talking about what you're given. No, that's only when you're given to the poor. Jesus stood by the offering bucket. What you given? <laughs> he did. He did it there, and he walked through the candlesticks in the book of Revelation. Like, what you got going on in here? Yeah. I'm Jesus. Yeah, right? That's what he was saying, right? And he, and he looks, and, and the lady that gave, how do you think he knew she gave the very little mite she had? How do you think he knew about what the tax collectors and then, of course, what the Pharisees were giving? He was looking. He's like, hmm. And he looked at the disciples. One mite, right? People, we get all so religious. God is not as religious as we think he is. He really is in a good mood. Praise God. Woo. Pastor Ben and Kara. There's going to be days of wild prosperity in God's economy in this church. I mean, people are going to come running up. I can see it in my spirit. And you've got to receive this. It's a little hard for you, okay? I'm going, to, I'm going to release this to you. Okay, listen to me. And you need to celebrate this. When he gets up and says, well, it's offering time, I want this place to practice roaring and shouting and clapping because that's your breakthrough. Okay? Let's practice right now. Ladies and gentlemen, it's offering time. Yeah. Now, who's going to lead that charge next week? Anybody? That man right there. That man right there. Anybody else? There's another one there. Okay, we got four people. Anybody else? Okay, a few of us. Okay. In Jesus' name, when he gets up next week and he's like, okay, time to receive the offering, what are you going to do? Yeah. Here's why. Because here's the picture I got. I saw people coming forward, and they, they got such a return by sowing into the church that they start coming and throwing money at the altar. I had that picture. It's either figurative or literal. And I'll tell you, people are like, I, I don't know about that. I don't, just try it sometime. Watch what happens. God will offend your mind to reveal your heart. But if you can overcome the trepidation of your heart, if you can overcome those things, you will have breakthrough. This church has hot sauce on it. I don't know how to say fire in Spanish. Fuente? Fuego. Okay, I don't know what I said there. Forgive me. I don't know. Um, now listen. <laughs> so you recognize that. But fuego. <laughs> Praise God. So, ladies and gentlemen, I love you. Yeah, I heard that, brother. I heard that. Yeah. And so, listen, I just, I'm so privileged to be here. I'm so pleased to be with you. Jesus Christ is the voice of God. He is Lord. This church is going red. You're going to stand up. It's a remnant anointing. It's an apostolic mandate. And uh, I'm really privileged to be with you today. What a privilege. Pastor Ben, I'll turn it back to you. God bless you, folks. Thank you.